This episode of the Flush Podcast is brought to you by Walton's, Aluma Trailers, Onyx Hunt, Nutrisource Pet Foods, and by Chief Upland. Today, Dan Berglove joins me to relive a special hunt that we shared with our two puppies, Millie and Jewbug, along with their mom, Lucy, during the last week of October. A little over a week later, as the calendar flipped to November, Dan sent me a text that brought tears to my eyes. If you're like me and you love to hunt, there's a good chance you have a four-legged hunting partner that goes everywhere with you in the field. My dog gives me the best chance at finding birds, which is why I always want to make sure that I'm doing my best to give her food that helps her run at peak performance. I feed Daisy Nutrisource high-performance blends of dog food, which give me the confidence to know that she has all the nutrition that she needs to excel in the field and make it through a rigorous hunting season. Nutrisource dog food comes with their good-for-life system that includes four key ingredients that work together to support gut health, heart health, and the overall well-being of our dogs. Take it from me and my dog, Daisy. Nutrisource high-performance dog food can help you and your dog excel in the field. Find the food that's right for your dog at NutrisourcePetFoods.com. For generations, bird hunters have hit the field carrying some form of a vest or game pouch on their back. Sometimes the vests rip, tear, and fall apart. Other times they're just downright uncomfortable. That's why Chief Upland designed a vest that's durable, comfortable, and fits your needs. Their new Upland vest is fully customizable to fit the size and shape of all hunters. Plus, you decide where you want to attach your shell pouches and accessories. Birds can be front-loaded into the game pouch, and they fit nicely in the back without sagging. That's a big deal because the weight disbursement on your back and shoulders won't tire you out, even with a full pouch of birds. The vest itself is extremely lightweight, weighing only 2.56 pounds. The material is built out of Cardura fabric, which is the same waterproof fabric used in tactical military gear. You can confidently hunt with the Chief Upland vest in some of the world's toughest environments. Order your Chief Upland vest now to make sure that you're ready for your next hunt. Push further and hunt longer with the game-changing vest from Chief Upland, built for your pursuit. Welcome to another episode of the Flush Podcast. I'm Scott Franson, your host for today. I'll be doing my best to fill in for Travis, who's at home spending time with his beautiful baby girl, Sylvie Ruth, the newest addition to the Frank family. Congratulations, Travis and Sarah. I know you join me in saying congratulations to the entire Frank family. Brandon Morton, as usual, will be the captain of our podcast ship. Brandon, it's just you and me right now. Come on, tell me what you really think of I, Travis. I, I Come mean, on. I, I don't want to say much. He's celebrating a great moment in his life right now. So we'll, we'll keep things on the positive now. Just slip me a note yeah, every yeah, once exactly. in a while. Because I, I feel like I need to get my vengeance after you guys uh, took me to task uh, regarding the hunt out in western Minnesota. Oh, I... Yeah, it's probably fair that you do. It's probably <laughs> fair that you get us back a little bit. We we did go pretty hard on that, but that was also justified too. So, <laughs> well, do you ever get tired of cleaning up Travis's messes on the show? Oh no, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> no sarcasm there whatsoever. Well, thank God you're here because that means we're in for smooth sailing today. Um, rumor has it we may be trying a live show, which is really a live recorded show. Yep. 
uh, at Pheasant Fest in Omaha uh, coming up in March. What are your thoughts on that, Brandon? I Doable? Think I think that sounds like a lot of fun. I think a lot of people enjoy uh, seeing Travis live making fun of you. I kind of agree with that. I, I was going to say, do you think people might be disappointed when they meet us in person? I mean, disappointed. That's that's a scale that I don't want to talk about. No, they'll be fine. Yeah, Everybody I, I know, will, know what the comments are going to be. It's going to be like, yeah, you're balder and fatter in person than you are on TV. And Travis, you're a lot shorter. It's just like working in the radio industry, right? <laughs> like the voice never fits the face. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, if you're hearing uh, anything besides my talking or Brandon or... Uh, coming up, Dan Berglove. It's it's Millie and her sister Junebug chewing on a couple of bones here in the Flush Podcast Studios. So it's always good to have uh, pups around when we're when we're talking hunting. Uh, today I'm joined by what I would call a relatively new hunting buddy and what you might call a shirt tail relative, Dan Berglove. You see, during the COVID spring of 2020, Dan and I got connected by our mutual veterinarian Jim Wood, as we were both looking to breed our dogs, my dog Hank and Dan's dog Lucy. After many conversations and kind of a late heat cycle, one thing led to another, and the result was five beautiful black lab puppies that were born last March. My dog Millie came from that litter, as did obviously Dan's dog Junebug. Greetings, Dan. Hi there. Welcome Thanks for having me. Is that, is that a fairly accurate description of our family ties? That's an accurate description, although I could tell you the date, hour, and minute that those puppies arrived. So. <laughs> I bet you could do the same about when they left. Actually, I'm going to ask you about that, too. Oh, that'll be another tier for part of our discussion. But yeah, we'll talk about it. Well, we had a chance um, to film together with the pups and Lucy this fall. Um, but before we talk about that, I wanted to ask you a few questions about the breeding and having the pups. I think... Uh, the first one is, you know, what made you want to breed Lucy? Oh, boy. Well, we'll spend a lot of time talking about Lucy, but Lucy of the dogs that I've had in my life was just the best all-around dog that I've had as far as playing retriever games, being an excellent hunting dog. You got a chance to see Lucy in action and all-around family dog and everything else. And so, I, you know, was kind of getting to that point in life where it was fish or cut bait as far as having a litter of pups. Um, and so I started looking around for, you know, different possibilities for breedings and whatnot. And that's when Jim introduced you and I. So had you, had you ever had a litter of pups before? I can't remember. I, I have not had a litter of pups at home. Did have a female bred that okay. was taken care of by somebody else. That's so. right. So now that you've had a litter of pups at home, would you do it again? Uh, if I was about 20 years younger, I would. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I'm kind of considering that with Millie, perhaps. So yeah. I, I'm going to be picking your brain a lot on that, Dan. Yeah. Uh, well, if we have another pandemic, then it's easy. It's right. <laughs> so. And, and when, when Jim brought up Hank, why Hank? Was it his dashing good looks or uh, <laughs> what, why? What made you think Hank might be a good fit? Um, well, Jim had a lot of good things to say about Hank because, of course, he knew Hank firsthand. And I had seen Hank a little bit on some of the shows. I mean, a, a regular viewer of The Flush. I, I 
confess I don't catch every single episode. Oh, okay, cut. It was, it was, <laughs> it was uh, oppor- I guess, an opportunity for my dog to date a movie star. So. <laughs> wow, I, didn't, I never thought of Hank as a movie star, but I'm going to have to write that one down. Um, so having the pups and raising pups, how much work is it? And there was five pups. I want to yeah. reiterate, there's five puppies. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would admit that I probably doted over the puppies more than, say, a professional breeder would. But literally every hour of the day, there was something to do relative to those puppies, whether it's feeding them or, you know, making sure mom's in and out of the box at the right time, cleaning up after them. Um, so it's... It's probably an overstatement to say it's a full-time job, but it, it certainly does pretty much command most of your life when the puppies are there. So. And, and I, won't, I, I don't think the right question is to say, did you enjoy it? <clears throat> because that sounds like a tremendous amount of work. But maybe the right question is, was it, in the end, kind of fulfilling? Oh, absolutely. Um, well, you know, I'm a dog lover at all phases of their life, and even though it was a lot of work, you know, those puppies got lots of cuddles and snuggles and whatnot all day long. And it's really a hoot just to watch them develop from these little lumps that you bring into the house and they basically just eat and sleep to, you know, eventually becoming very active dogs when they're ready to go home with their new owners. And every stage has something about it that's just interesting or fun or whatever to watch them. So, you know, that that part of it... Um, you know, I think is, is really fulfilling to, to your point. So now my wife might have a different opinion <laughs> of how fun it was, uh, but I certainly enjoyed it. So, and, and you touched on um, when the puppies go home, you know, mm-hmm. you spent, uh, as you said, a lot of time with these dogs for seven weeks. Was it hard to see them go to their new homes or was it kind of like, phew, we made it? You know, it was really almost equal parts of both. Um, first of all, I had had an opportunity to meet all the new owners, and I felt really happy about you know what was in store for these pups in their lives going forward. Um, and so, I, you know, I really enjoyed getting to see these dogs, you know, get in, introduced to their new families and get started in their lives, and that you know was extremely rewarding for me. I, I, you and I have talked before, Scott. The main thing I was hoping for for these puppies aren't that they're all-star hunting dogs, but that they're in families that love them. And I certainly felt that was the case uh, when these puppies went home with their new owners. I, I agree. And I, I was able to, because there's only five puppies, I was able to meet and or know a few of the owners. And, and I think the other thing, though, you told me, Dan, that was important to you is beyond going to a loving family, you wanted to make sure that they were going to get some work in the field. They didn't, have to, they didn't have to be rock stars, but they're going to be out there trying to you know, do their thing, the thing that they were hopefully bred for as well. Yeah. Well, it, it is what they're bred for. And if they don't get some of that, you end up with an unhappy dog and probably unhappy owners as well. <laughs> <So>. Yes, you <laughs> are right. Um, so now we're going to walk through this a little bit chronologically. The pups are gone. You and I had been communicating a lot over the summer about the development of Junebug and Millie and what was going on. And as we got into the fall, we we're ta- sharing hunting stories and things that were happening. Um, and that's when we kind of got the idea to take the pups along with uh, Lucy on a hunt and film mm-hmm. it. 
which is what we did last, um, late last October. We circle that date on the calendar, and we meet up in the field. And I remember this, and I want to hear your description of it. I know I asked you about it in the show, but we let the two seven-month-old puppies out of the truck that, that hadn't seen each other in over about five and a half months. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what happened? Oh, they knew each other instantaneously. <laughs> I'd so, never forget that. Yeah. It was unreal. Yeah. And, and you told me at the time you kind of expected it. Oh, I did. Yeah. And why is that? Um, you, you know, I can't really say why other than um, I have been around litter mates before, certainly not from puppies or litters that I've raised. Um, but there's just something about litter mates. They always know one another. And I, I don't know biologically why it is, but it just seems to be the case. So. Well, and they greeted each other like long lost pals today when, when yeah. uh, Junebug came into the office. Yeah. Uh, that's, it was so cool to see. And then what I also enjoyed was when, you know, the evenings were done hunting or having a adult beverage, you know, maybe watching a game or something. And they just kept wrestling and playing and just like they were back in the litter box almost. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was very, very neat. Yeah. And it's, you, you've seen the puppies. Um, I think most of them, haven't you, uh, or, or as adults or nearing adulthood now since they left the house? Just the three girls. Okay. I have not seen um, either Finn or Gus, or Gus. since okay. they went home with their new owners. And with, okay, so then with Millie and, and Junebug and is it Gemma? The, Gemma. Gemma. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you noticed personality traits in the three girls that were consistent with what you know, well, you obviously you know Lucy very well, but with with Hank and what you've known about him, are you seeing anything that might be uh, kind of a personality trait of one of the parents, or is that overblown? Do you think? Well, um, you know, I'll just talk about Junebug because I'm more familiar with her. Um, personality-wise, she couldn't be more different than her mother. <laughs> um, you know, Lucy was always a very happy dog. Very serious. It was all about the work. Um, and Junebug is much more of a happy-go-lucky, let's-just-play kind of a dog. And I get the impression from you that's kind of how Hank was as well. Yeah, Hank, um, Hank so, never really had a bad day in yeah. his life. He just yeah. kind of always, whatever was in front of him was kind of the coolest thing around type of thing. And then I, the little bit I've seen of, of Millie, she seems like she's perhaps picked up a, a bit of Lucy's, you know, personality characteristics in terms of being, you know, pretty serious about the task at hand. But you can tell me if I'm off base on that or not. No, but. I think that's fairly accurate. Um, I, I, I think in the little time I've spent the same way with Junebug and, and been around Millie, I would describe Junebug as um, looking a little bit more like Hank and body style and kind mm-hmm. of having that personality. Um, and Millie, probably the same thing with, with Lucy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, which I, and I brought it up just because I think that's so interesting when you get into the breeding and genetics and the, and the things of, you know, with dogs, obviously you see that with humans. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of, I think, interesting and cool when you see it with, with puppies as well. Yeah. Um, that, and then that, the little, little bit of time that I've spent with Gemma, she's kind of more of the Lucy Millie side of things in okay. terms of her personality. So Well, I've spent time with Gus, and uh, I would say he's more of the Hank ilk 
-hmm. And then I am going to spend some time with Finn coming up here in a week or two. So I'll I'll give you a report on that. Oh, I'd love to hear about it. So, yeah. Um, So when we go back to our hunt, um, we're, I think, in near Richardson, North Dakota. um, Mm -hmm. It's the last week of October, I believe. How would you describe our hunt? Well, uh, the weather was great. The whole time we were there, I mean, that time of the season, you never know what you might wind up with. You could have 80-degree heat or you could be climbing over six-foot snowdrifts. Um, but I think we had, you know, perfect hunting weather. Um, for the most part, the birds were there, but for some of the private land hunting that we did, they were pretty well hidden away in the corn. <laughs> yeah. So we, you know, we could sense that they were in the area, but we, you know, we didn't flush quite as many birds. Um, as that's Millie wagging her tail, everybody. (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) Um, but you know, I think every field that we walked, except maybe one, we got a rooster up. I agree. Yeah. We saw birds everywhere, but yeah, but there was for that late in the season, there's still quite a bit of corn up, Yeah, which made for easy escapes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and what, what did you see from our two pups? In there, start start with Junebug. What did you see from her as the hunt went on and progressed? Well, so Junebug was not as experienced as Millie. Um, that was really only the second time she'd been in the field pheasant hunting. I I've really focused a lot of my time with Junebug on obedience and training for retriever games and that sort of thing. And so you know, haven't had as much time hunting wild birds. So my, my main goal is just that she gets out there, has a good time, lets the other dogs do their work. And in that regard, she did great. She did, you know, accidentally stumble over a few birds and flushed them. And well, was I don't know if I'd say that, accidentally. But, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, I, you know, they, the dogs were having a great time. And that was really my biggest expectation for Junebug that weekend. So. Well, I think you're being a little modest too, Dan, <laughs> because I I saw Junebug, um, especially in the last uh, kind of day and a half, really uh, just kind of change her stride out in the field and, and was where early on she might have wanted to play with Millie a little bit more. By the last day and a half, she was hunting quite well, and, and I don't want to spoil what the show may come up, but she delivered a a pretty large exclamation point for yeah. us at one point. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Yeah. So, um, uh, and, and what about Millie? What did you see from Millie? Give me, give me your, uh, in, you know, two cents on, on Mildred. I just saw Lucy as pup. Did you really? Yeah. That's what I saw watching Millie work. So, and would you have expected that? Um, you know, when I chose Millie, um, and, and, you know, you knew the puppies well in, in, um, or, when you chose Junebug, did you expect Millie would be more like Lucy or anything at that point? I, uh, I had no expectations. I really didn't know how they were going to turn out. Um, I know Junebug was the, I know they don't use the word alpha anymore. She was the dominant pup in the litter. Um, and so I kind of expected to see you know, some of those traits show up in her, both around the house um, as well as in the field. Surprisingly, in the field, she didn't really do anything to bother the other dog, so I was pleased about that. But 
But no, I, it, it's really hard to say when they're little puppies how things are going to turn out. And of course, it, a lot of it is just the experiences they've had. And I know you spent a terrific amount of time with Millie exposing her to birds. And, you know, she'd been doing some game farm work and whatnot before going to the Dakotas. So, Yes. And, and I, I think I told you this too for Millie. I've, she's been the first one I've trained without an adult dog along mm-hmm. um, in quite a while. And I, I wonder if that, you know, developed her a little bit more so that when the first time she went out while bird hunting, she wasn't following Hank, you know, and seeing what he was doing. She was just trying to work it out on her own and worked it out maybe a little quicker. I got to believe that makes a huge difference because when those two older dogs were in the field, it was really hard for those pups to get a chance at being on birds because they just had so much more experience and knew what to do. Um, the pups were always about 10 yards behind them. Especially on the retrieves, yeah. 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 And when, when Dan brings up uh, one of the adult dogs, Jim Wood, who we spoke about earlier, joined us on this hunt because we had to have you know what we call the love doctor um, on this hunt with the, with the two puppies and the mom, and he's got a pretty hard-driving... Um, <laughs> is she, what is... What is um, Lexi, she's not a draw. She's, she's a draw. She's a draw. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, the other thing I was going to ask you, um, well, I'll switch topics now. So, so you went back a couple weeks later to the same spot and the corn was down. Yeah. And you sent me a text about the differences you had seen about with June bug on that hunt compared to just, what is it? 10 days earlier almost. Yeah. Yeah. And what it, what it changed? Well, I first, first of all, there's just a lot more birds around. <laughs> they were not so in that, the corn. With that corn gone, I mean, the first strip that we walked, I bet we saw a dozen roosters, you know, within about a half a mile stretch. So just having all that, you know, scent and activity in the field, of course, piques the puppy's interest quite a bit. Um, and of course, you know, more opportunities at birds, more birds down, that's more opportunities for the pups to get a shot at making a retrieve. And so that just really made all the difference, I think. So, And were you able to get her out in um, more later in the season at all? Um, did you see the same development each time you took her out? Just some game farm work. I've yeah. not had the heart, frankly, to get back out to the Dakotas this year, even though I had hoped to. Um, but uh, she... Definitely has made a terrific amount of progress. So, If you're an avid outdoorsman or woman on the go, then odds are good that you have toys and equipment that you need to haul. Aluma Trailers, they've got you covered. Their trailers are built by a hardworking team in Bancroft, Iowa, right here in the good old USA. They have models for nearly any and every hauling need, from ATV and UTV trailers to utility, snowmobile, motorcycle, car trailers, and even fully enclosed trailers like mine. Trust me when I say Aluma trailers tow gear like a dream. Their trailers are constructed out of lightweight, strong, corrosion-resistant aluminum, and they are 100% maintenance-free. Plus, they come with an industry-best five-year warranty. Visit alumakln.com to find a trailer that fits your needs. For everything that gets you outdoors, Aluma Trailers will help you get there. 
The Onyx Hunt app is one of the most valuable hunting tools that I take into the field every day. I've been talking about the Onyx Hunt app since we started producing this show, and that's simply because I use it on every single hunt. Their app tells me everything that I need to know about the lands that I want to hunt and the lands that I can legally hunt on. The Onyx Hunt app shows your location on planet Earth and clearly lays out the land boundaries. It also tells you information about the type of property you're on, like state land, federal lands, walk-in access properties, etc. The app also has new features this year that show you the kind of crops that are in fields, which obviously is a big deal for us upland bird hunters. If you hunt grouse in the north woods, there's a timber cut layer to help you find ideal habitat. If you're planning to hunt North Dakota this year, then there's a very important layer that has been added to the app that lets you know if a property has been posted electronically. These are just a few of the tools Onyx Maps give us. And these maps can even be used in areas without cell coverage. From the palm of your hand, Onyx Maps always help you to know where you stand. There are many places that you can buy products to process and prepare your meat. There are not a lot of places that you can buy those products and learn how to use them from experts. Walton's is that place. They have everything, and I mean everything, for your cooking and wild game processing needs. Plus, they have the experts on staff to help you learn how to use their products to get the best results. John Tremblay hosts their Meatgistics podcast, live streams, and live chats, which are interactive learning tools for the meat processing community. From sausage making to smoking, recipes to seasoning, and so much more, they've got you covered. Walton's products ship the same day you order, and while they have nearly every brand you'd ever want to purchase, they also have their own line of Walton's grinders, mixers, stuffers, slicers, vacuum sealers, and so much more. Walton's, they have everything but the meat. And this is where I'm, I'm going to transition in our story, um, and, and I'm just going to read two texts that you sent to me and then we, we can, you can unwind it from there if you will. So on, on the 12th of November, you sent me a text that said, Lucy made a 300 yard retrieve today. One of those roosters that ran out of oil pressure way out in the pit corn. I really need to appreciate her the next couple of years while she's in her prime. I wish they live longer. I guess that's why we get puppies, which is so profound. And then three days later, later you sent me this text. Uh, that literally brought tears to my eyes. And that said, Scott, I thought I should let you know that Lucy passed away today. We are heartbroken. I will never get over this. What happened, Dan? So first of all, we had two great days of hunting. And uh, of course, Lucy was just on her game both days. And I made that same remark to my two hunting buddies um, at the end of each of those days that, you know, I just so much appreciated you know, her ability as a hunting dog. And they got tired of me bragging about her. Well, you had a lot um, to brag about with her, yeah. <laughs> but just a second. The... Is that Millie or Junebug? <laughs> I should keep this. We got dogs in our cords <laughs> here. It's okay. There we, we go. go. Now we're back. Yeah. Um, and so on the morning of the third day, um, and we went up to that farm to the north that we went out with the puppies earlier um, and on our earlier trip. Um, you know, we got started in the morning and hunted a couple tree strips. Um, and there was birds around, but it was that time of the year. It was kind of tough to get close to them. And then uh, one of the fellows in our group walked back to the truck because he had overdressed, which we all do. Um, excuse me. 
And then uh, my friend Dave and I were hunting, uh, you, you know, it was a really deep ditch. In fact, they even call it a coulee. Um, the edges of the dip of the ditch were, you know, 15, 20 feet up from ground level. And, and the dogs were working in that ditch area. And sure enough, we hit a spot where I'm going to say six or seven roosters kind of all got up at the same time. And uh, we, you know, knocked three of them down. And Lucy made a retrieve, Junebug made a retrieve, and then Lucy brought back the second bird. And so we were kind of standing around waiting for our other hunting partner to join us after that. And Lucy just laid down on the ground. And I didn't think too much of it. You know, it's the third day of the hunt. It's sort of not like her, but she was laying down, but she looked okay. Um, and our, our other uh, hunting partner joined us and, you know, tried to get her to get up and go hunting, and she wouldn't get up or couldn't get up. I'm not sure which. Um, so, you know, as it would be or happen, the two fellows I was hunting with are both retired veterinarians, and they started checking her out, and her, you know, gums, you know, were almost white um, and they said she, she looks like she's losing blood pressure we don't know exactly what's happened with her um, so I immediately got on the phone and started calling different veterinarians in the area to see who had you know staff in their clinics and the nearest place I found was um, in Bismarck which was about 70 miles away from where we were so you know picked her up ran back to the truck and immediately headed for Bismarck and then we went to a clinic, the Missouri Valley Veterinary Clinic in Bismarck, and, and uh, they obviously checked all of her vitals. Her heart rate was super high. It was like 185 to 190, which is 100 beats per minute higher than normal. Um, did a bunch of tests, put her on IV, and she started to stabilize, you know, her heart rate started going back down, but they still didn't really know what was wrong with her. And they finally took an x-ray, and on the x-ray, there was a single shotgun pellet in Lucy's chest right next to her heart. Um, they didn't see any sign that that pellet had penetrated her heart. Um, and I won't get into all the clinical things that they went over with me. But they did say, you know, I should try to get her home as quickly as possible, get her to an emergency vet. So... Um, I, I had a couple hours of driving to do to get my gear, pick up June Bug, um, and, um, you know, pick Lucy up about two hours later. And she came out of the kennel that they had her in looking pretty, almost normal. You know, her tail was wagging and, you know, she had a little energy in her step, um, but loaded her up and headed back to the Twin Cities, of course, on the phone the whole way, trying to find an emergency vet that would take her, which what turned out to be almost midnight on a Saturday. Um, and as it was, um, nobody had anybody on staff that could help her, you know, given the nature of her injury. So I just brought her home. And, you know, she spent the night with Liz and I and Junie. Um, woke up the next day and, frankly, looked fine. Ate her breakfast. We went for a walk, you know, threw bumpers for her. Um, but our friend Jim that you mentioned um, did agree, 
very kindly to come into the office and check her out. Um, and other than a slight arrhythmia in her heartbeat, he couldn't really find anything wrong with her. But we did make an appointment to bring her back in the following day, Monday. And Jim was going to do an EKG, take some more x-rays, um, and run some other tests on her. Um, and he called me about 2 o'clock in the afternoon and said, you know, EKG looks fine. Um, you know, from what I, Jim, could observe in the x-rays, I don't really see anything of concern, although he did send it out to a radiologist to get an interpretation as well. So why don't you come pick her up? And, you know, I did that, brought her home, um, and she seemed just fine. And my wife, who is a school teacher, she got home about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And I, I'm sure this is the way it is at everybody's home that has a lab. Everybody gets to have the greeting committee um, come in and see them when they get, um, you know, into the garage and um, let both the dogs out. And the next thing I know, Liz is screaming, Lucy went down, so Lucy ran out to see Liz, and she wagged her tail for the last time. And that is just gut-wrenching. Were they, were, was Jim or any of the other veterinary folks, were they able to tell you what, what they think happened and, and why what caused her to pass? Was it some sort of failure or like a heart attack or something? Or, um, Of course, there's no tests or anything anybody right. can do to definitively say, um, you know, what caused her death. Um, but, you know, just because of the coincidence, um, you know, they, the suspicion is that that pellet, even though it didn't penetrate her heart, um, you know, hit it and, you know, caused, um, you know, just some trauma to her heart muscle um, that she didn't recover from. But that's pretty speculative. And, of course, it would have been silly to spend money on it, doing sure. an autopsy or anything like that. Um, but uh, that's pretty much what everybody suspects was the case. So in... in <clears throat> I think you told me you you don't really even know how that how the pellet got there, do you? Well, I I suspect it was you know during that last flurry of birds that we shot at, um, and just a stray or something. Or well, it's it's strange that it was just one pellet. I mean, I know it wasn't there from past years because she had all the X-rays from sure. when you know we did the breeding with with her and Hank. Um, and I don't remember any other circumstances in previous outings that we'd been on that year. So all, all I can suspect is, um, you know, we were down in that coulee and she may have been up on the bank a little bit, but given that it was just one pellet, it had to be a stray pellet or a ricochet or something of that nature. Um, that caused that. So well, and and I'll say because we've hunted together that you're a very safe hunter. Yeah. And um, this is, um, I think, you know, one of the reasons you wanted to tell this story is this is a horrific story that could happen to anybody yeah. in the field. Um, and um, how 
as this was unfolding, then what what was your mindset? You know, what what were you thinking from going from the field to the vet, and then once in Bismarck, mm-hmm. and then you know, and then like, okay, I get home. How, how did you process all this? Was it just kind of one thing at a time, or were your thoughts just jumbled as I think mine would be? Well, frankly, on the way to the vet in Bismarck, I didn't think she was even going to get there alive, um, even though we didn't really have any idea of what was wrong with her at the time. But just given her clinical situation, she seemed like she was you know, going downhill rather than getting better. Um, and then um, after the you know, time at the vet where she started to feel better after an IV and everything, and the vet there, his first name was Matt. I'm sorry, I don't remember his last name. Um, you know, he said, well, this is her third day of hunting. It's, it could be that she's dehydrated or something like that. So that could be part of the mix here as well. And that's why the IV kind of made a difference with her. Um, and then on Sunday, I felt pretty optimistic. Um, hey, you, you said know, she was almost back to normal. Almost back to normal. Um, maybe spend a little bit more time resting than what I'd normally see from her. Um, and, and that's why when on Monday evening, when she, you know, you know, finally took her last breath, it was a terrific shock. I really thought she was out of the woods and that anything was going on that, you know, that had passed and she'd recovered from it. So. And this is, I, I know, you know, you have probably played this over in your head at, gazillion times is there anything you could have done differently or you know at all or did you when looking back on this is I know what I would do is like well, what I, I even do that and I think you probably do now is you know you, you miss a shot what I do different you know what could I have done differently or things like that you know is there anything that's crossed your mind well um of course this is all woulda coulda shoulda gamesmanship right but um not, none of the birds that we shot at were like lower than head level um but given the conditions in, in the area that we were hunting you know the old rule of don't shoot unless you see blue sky that definitely i think would have changed the situation um to you know wait for those birds to get up over the edge of that that ditch or coulee um, before taking shots when you're lower. Uh, yeah. 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 If, um, and, and I appreciate you coming on the podcast for so many reasons. Just one, because we have these puppies together and I hope we get to hunt many years with them. But um, to be able to uh, share the story uh, it is, that's, I know how difficult that is i've had to do it myself too and it's it's not fun is there on on a situation like that other than what you just described is there another piece of advice you'd give to other hunters guys like me that you you know or other people listen to podcasts i've hunted for years and years and years and years just like you and me you've had 12 dogs or something like that or um what what would that be? How do you, uh, how, what would you say to me or some of these other folks out there? Yeah. Um, well, I think 
before you take a shot, really know where your dog is before you take the shot. Um, now, I saw both of the dogs working when they launched those birds. Um, but, of course, when, you know, two or three of them get up and then there's some time, seconds pass, and then a couple more birds get up. Right. Um, you kind of take your eye off the dog. Um, and you're not paying as much attention to where they are as you are, you know, looking at that last rooster that just got up off the ground. So that, you know, as far as anything that could be avoidable in the future, for me personally anyway, um, it's to really make sure that you know exactly where that dog is before you take a shot at a bird. So, Well, and, and from the standpoint of, like you said, that as much advancement as shotgun shells have made over the years, there's still stray BBs out there. Um, and, I mean, how many times have you cleaned a bird where you maybe find one one BB in the bird. In my case, it's unfortunately too often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, and I, I'm going to ask the obvious question here too. How thankful are you that you kept a puppy now? Oh, I my life would just be totally empty right now without having Junebug around the house. So, and I'm I'm thankful that it's one of Lucy's puppies. Right. Um, as well, you know, e even though she's very different than Lucy, <laughs> you know, I still see Lucy in her when I, when I'm with her. So I agree. And, and it was the same for us when we lost Hank, having that puppy now to, to just focus on and take your mind off of what you have lost and then have that, um, threat of the lineage and certain mm -hmm. personality traits. And, and like you said, Millie's different than Hank. Um, and, and, but I love her to death. And I don't know what we would have done had we not had her when we lost Hank. So mm -hmm. um, I guess my words of advice for those listening to this that are hunting over a single dog, don't wait too long to get that second one. Yeah. Uh, because they can be a, a real asset for you in the field and a real comfort when something like this may happen. Yeah. Um, and for that matter, the, you know, the long range plans for June bug were to have her be gone with a trainer this winter. Well, here she is. <laughs> <laughs> so we really, you know, Liz and I really couldn't bear to not have a dog around the house. So I, I know that feeling. I know that feeling. And we're glad she's here with us today. She and <laughs> Millie are having a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Well, Dan, thank you for coming on and sharing that. Both, both from the hunt standpoint, it's, I think it's always going back to when we got to hunt together with Lucy and Millie and uh, Junebug. I mean, the, really the, the vision that I had in my mind back in April, and I know I described it to you, is having Hank, Lucy, Millie, and Junebug together on a family hunt. Mm -hmm. And then that changed. And then we got dealt some more bad cards. But we can count our blessings. We have these two puppies. Um, and um, as, in, in you, as a dog owner, uh, you've been through heartache, I know. Mm -hmm. um, you, you still have those memories. And uh, I go back to the text you sent me on that Friday before the accident that she sure left you with 
a boatload of memories, but in particularly a day that maybe you're going to remember for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you for coming on, on the show. I know that couldn't have been easy to, to talk about that. And, and the show with, uh, Millie and June bug is being edited right now, as we speak, that's why it's kind of top of mind for me too. That's going to come out, uh, in next year's, uh, flush episodes. And it's, and Dan is downplaying it a little bit. We did see quite a few birds and, um, and the, and the pups showed some things for, especially for seven month old puppies. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to see what they do next year. Oh, me too. In fact, I can't wait. I can't either. (laughs) We're going to have to do it again. Yeah. Um, so new episodes of the flush, uh, are being uploaded each week right now on our YouTube channel. All you have to do is search the flush TV on YouTube, subscribe to our channel You can stream each episode in its entirety from your home, work, or wherever you may choose. Um, Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram as we share good content about dogs, recipes, upland haunts uh, each week. Travis will be back next week. I know Brandon is very thankful for that, uh, to host the Flush Podcast. Stay warm, stay well. Hopefully we'll have a chance to meet you um, at Pheasant Fest in person in March. Um, and uh, Dan and I can speak from experience. Give your dog a pat on the head tonight from Lucy, Hank, Millie, and Junebug. They all deserve it. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>